Welcome to Life After Teaching podcast, content that's inspired by and created for the members in our Facebook group of the same name. Sharon and I created the Facebook group a few months ago specifically for teachers and other professionals within the education sector who are either struggling in their workplace for a variety of reasons or who have exited at some point and have stories to tell both in terms of how they exited and also what they're doing now. Each week myself and Sharon will talk with guests about topics that are intended to support, advise, enrich and inspire our listeners. We hope you enjoy. One of the things I wanted to talk about was um, the fact that teachers do not realise that they are multi-skilled because they just think they're teachers. And that, that I've been thinking about it loads over the last couple of days and I think it's because of, because of the conversations you and I have been having about me um, that I... I was walking to the osteopath this morning thinking if a teacher had to sit down and list all of the things that they did. Yeah. Just in terms of, you know, these are the tasks that I do. And then you translated that into a skill set, which is what yeah. I did with my brother last year. It's staggering how much stuff people are doing that they don't realize that other it's people It's because they think they just have one job. Yeah. I just yeah. had one job and I was a teacher. I've read on um, some posts that what they've actually said is, um, what do I put on a CV? Because I've only had one job. Well, you, you, you put a massive, mm. yes, you've had one job, but look at the job you've had. Mm. That's what I did. I just wonder if I can find my CV. Um, because when I actually broke down, like, the fact that I'd managed, much to my chagrin, but I'd managed target setting, I did all the data analysis. Um, Even something as simple as the fact you can work an Excel spreadsheet. Exactly, exactly. And, and, it, and, you know, there are very, very many people out there who can't work an Excel spreadsheet yeah. and can't use PowerPoint. What you can't do, off. though, is you can't leave a teaching job after 26 years and think you're going to walk into a single job that is going to pay you that amount of money. Correct. That's the difference. But what it doesn't do is preclude you from a whole host of different things. Um, I, I'm just still... I think what's get, getting to me at the moment about the group... And, and it keeps coming through more and more. And this is the bit that stuns me, where people have said, I've never talked about this before. No. I've never... T- one of the most... One of the single most traumatic events of their lives. Mm. And they've never talked about it. They, they've talked to their partners or they might have told a close friend. But generally, they've not talked about what's been going on. They've not offloaded it externally to their environment have they no 
it's um I think it's shame. I do, and 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 fear as well. Who do, who do you offload to? Because if if you if you offload to occupational health, I mean, my experience with occupational health was very positive actually, mm. um, and. I know that in our authority, they tracked referrals and, and kind of did monitoring about whether there were patterns forming. Um, but some people's experience of occupational health is that it's a stick to beat them with um, and they don't get any support from it. Oh, I, think think, what, I think what they're using occupational health for now is to tick a box. Yeah. We sent them to occupational health, tick, yeah. now we can get short. But... And I, I do think there's fear. I think I, I've just signed up today. Um, I've been thinking about it for months, but I've signed up today with um, an organisation called Time to Change who are national about supporting um, breaking the stigma to do with mental health right. and encouraging people to talk openly about their own personal experiences. So it's not counselling. Um, and the, the agenda is change change the conversation and, and break the stereotypes um so i've been doing i've been doing my online training this afternoon and that's that's one of the reasons why i've done it now is because i'm ready to talk about my own experience and that by talking about it that helps me but also um if people who've lived it don't talk about it it's gonna stay as it is where people don't talk about it um and it's uh, you know it, it's not going to be a quick shift to i do i think it's fear i think it's just that fear of being labeled i also being... think it's a generational thing as well mm. because for years and years my mum would say things like oh she struggled with her nerves and she was and it is something that is associated with a weakness yes. and it's also been associated years gone by with something that you choose well I don't know why they just don't pull themselves together we had it even even when Robin Williams died mm. why would he do that when he's got all that money mm. he always seems so happy yeah mm. and and and, and I, I know we've got a long way to come and I think one of the things that's keeping this contained more than anything is you know me feeling on ndas mm. you know you don't get me started on them because i think that's you don't get me started on the complicity of the unions either mm. but i also think when people come out the other side i think this is where it's hard for a teacher who's come out of teaching and they've come out and they are struggling i don't like the expression suffering with your mental health because suffering makes it look like struggling you've still got some fight left in you mm. When they come out and they're struggling with their mental health, it's because at some point it was probably one of the greatest achievements. Yeah. Yeah. My, dad, my dad would drop it in any given chance. Have you seen our Sharon, who is a teacher? Mm. She's the one. And he would drop it into the midst of every single conversation because the pride, particularly if, like me, you were first-generation university, mm. to, yeah. to actually be that teacher with parents who looked up and revered the teaching profession to then come back 20 years later and say you leave him why why on earth would you do that and suddenly you know you've lost a massive chunk of your identity mm. and if if you've done what a lot of us do 
that whole like we talked about the other day that you go into school age four and you you just never come out of it um it's all you've ever known that that routine that structure that that there's a pride that goes with being a teacher yeah it's probably one of the only jobs you can sum up in one word and people automatically know what you what is it you do for a living oh she's a teacher Mm. yeah and still even though we might think we've lost respect and we've lost everything it's still a massive thing to be able to say i am a teacher and then when you come out of teaching you lose that so what am i now well i'm a tutor um i run a tuition company i do a bit of this i do a bit it's easier to just nugget what you do really Mm. and i was proud of being a teacher yeah i was completely completely but uh, that's this whole thing about um uh what's the word gosh you can tell it's saturday night my brain's not diversifying and multiple income streams i i really think that's that's the way that people can move themselves forward more quickly to a more stable income stream and something that's more akin to what they might have been used to but there's 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 that acceptance that it's the long game isn't it because i think that's where i've got to in my head is is i'm thinking well it's been 12 months in terms of me starting to do anything that brought any money in that wasn't really until january so that was that was six months in i had three months of working properly then bloody covid hit yeah but just imagine for one minute covid hadn't hit the way you were rattling on oh yeah you were raking at one point oh yeah as a freelance and tutoring tutoring working for schools doing all sorts of stuff Yeah, I mean, within 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 six weeks of, of starting that in January, it did um, help having a friend who had a reach that extended her grasp. Well, yes, there was that. There was that. But, but, but no, they're the kind of things that you do. You find people who put you in a position who say, "I'm looking for someone who can." Do you know anyone who can do ten hours a week with a girl who's a school refuser? Yeah, yeah. It is that. And it, but, what was the rate? Forty quid an hour. Yeah, yeah. Forty pound an hour. Yeah. somebody's house yeah contracted by a school yeah it was um 10 hours a week gives you 1600 quid yeah. a month yeah but this is where the problem comes then the kid goes back into school mm. right now i've got to find something that don't worry because something else always turns up anyway it absolutely does the number of the number of children and you think i think this is going to be worse after covid after September because I think there's going to be a proportion of parents who won't want to send their children back because they're fearful um I think there'll be a number of children who refuse to go back because yeah you know um, because they were barely clinging on beforehand absolutely and that that I mean certainly for some of some of the SEN kids some of some of the kids who've had massive change in routine and 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 then, layered on top of that, the government have been handed massive amounts for people premium pots, Uh, which is absolutely perfect for a freelancer uh, who's got a live DBS, who's good to go, who's good with kids, who can work on a one-to-one basis. There's there's so many strings to your belt, but then again, it still goes back to do that alongside something you love doing. 
absolutely don't replace it just for another job no no absolutely not and that's one of the that's one of the things that we've been talking about at home is is coming back to the idea of it's it's a long game it's going to be 12 months so how how do we survive that so I, I said I wasn't going to talk about this but one of the things that we've been talking about is we've got equity in our house we've been in it right. for 14 years um we've paid nearly two-thirds of it off and even though I've not got an income stream husband is earning just enough that he on three and a half times his pay which is roughly how they calculate mortgages we would be able to remortgage and release some of the equity that's in the house which I could then use as an alternative to salary just to give me a buffer because the the conversation that we had and blessing my money uh, my husband has no idea if i if i keeled over tomorrow he wouldn't have a clue yeah. about paying the bills or anything else um and and he trusts that i'm not going to sort of take everything out of the house <laughs> run yeah. away with it um but like he said i i paid in the equivalent of about 40 grand and and he's paid in the equivalent, the other half of that and so why shouldn't I take some of that out and now? I I always think mortgages are, is mortgages are a weird thing. It's sat there. Mm. Now my mum and dad, they paid their mortgage off by nineteen eighty five. Mm. So my mum has been sat with everything that could have brought her a really luxurious mm. lifestyle, or indeed her kids. Yeah. And it's tied up in this bricks and mortar. Yeah. And the only time we're going to benefit, she's 84 and there's no signs of moving. Mm. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm touching 50. Mm. And the best time to live your life with all the, the money that you've, you've tied up into mm. your property, can't get your hands on. So absolutely, that's, that's it. a way of releasing it, do it. I've, I've, do I've it. had a shift in attitude because the, the whole thing for me while I was teaching was was save 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 overpay yeah. the mortgage pay the mortgage off quicker pay into your pension but actually for the more i think about it what point paying the mortgage off earlier than i need to because wow. as well the mortgage is is attached just to life one minute insurance. i just need to just tell ellie ellie you need to shut your bedroom door <laughs> she's on fortnight um so yeah. she does it again. I'm I, gonna mute. I don't miss all of that. But yeah, the mortgage when you take a mortgage out, you have to get life insurance that covers yeah. the mortgage if one or the other of you die. So if I die, the house is paid off anyway. Yeah. And if Karen goes, the house is paid off. So why so and that's where you go with your mind shift, isn't it? Yeah. What's my life about? Mm-hmm. If because I can give if I can give myself twelve months grace now, big wow, exactly. Do it exactly. I think I think there's a couple of things that death of a parent helps when your parent when one of your parents dies. It really does bring in your mortality to a point of yes. You really start to reflect on what's it all about, and also. I think more than anything, you just become more reflective when you, as your decades knock on mm. and you go, it's for the moment, this, it's for mm. living. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that's coming through on this group. 
these teachers are wasting the best years of their lives. Don't get me wrong, right? I know groups upon groups of teachers who love their job. Yeah. Okay. Who absolutely love every single minute of being a teacher. They've never been exposed. And if we were running a group called High Five the Teaching Profession, and everybody was piling in, joining that because teaching was brilliant. Mm. We wouldn't be having this conversation. No. We've created a channel for teachers who feel trapped and who feel miserable mm. in their classroom and in their job. And, and this is. But do you know the difference, sir? And this is what gets me. If it wasn't teaching, right, and there wasn't so much guilt attached to it, and they were working in a shop that they hated, and they had a line manager who was just a complete bitch, they'd walk. Yeah. You'd go, I've jacked it in. Yeah. Because I hate my job and I'll just look for another one. But because it's teaching, mm. there's so much emotion. I can't leave till I've seen my year 11s out, or I've got that year six class, or I've promised this kid. And they get sucked into this mm. guilt about leaving the job. Mm. It's just nuts. And the, 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 the crazy, well, the thing that um, that I've been thinking about as well is that in terms of the group we we've not set it up to bash like slt bash or anything else it it purely is a channel um but i'm my mind's just blown in this last week about how many people are telling telling their stories sharing their stories whether it's publicly or anonymously and how many parallels there are and, you know, like threads that are running through them. That I mean, Stuart it, Walton said, didn't he, the other day when we were talking to him, he said, do they send them on a training day to do this? Do they, is there a secret textbook that we've not seen about how to create a toxic environment within a school and get rid of a teacher? And I, I think this is another thing that I was pondering on the other day there's a couple of us within the group who've got senior team experience quite extensive senior team experience and and that's one of the things when when it it came to it with me is that the conversation that was had with me about um sort of a pre process i'm trying to be really careful because i can't articulate exactly what was said um but i knew as soon as those words were said to me exactly what what my pathway was because i had sat around that senior team table and listened to my colleagues talking about other colleagues in the same terms and i was the only one and i'm not saying this just because you know i'm on camera and i'm and i'm in the great other colleagues, former colleagues all will vouch for this, but I was the only one round that table who ever challenged the tone with which people spoke about their colleagues, people who'd been employed as the best person on the job on the day at some point in the past. And And, and there's no empathy. It's almost like... Um, Venka was saying it wasn't she that she looks to certain people and the sociopathic, sociopathic. tendencies where there's yeah. just absolutely no feeling for yeah. this person they don't suddenly think well this person I've talked about mm. I've got to go home tonight and tell their husband that this is happening they've got kids that are a person they just see them as a role they just see them as money um, well one just talking about that one of the conversations that was had with me 
um, when I was told that I wasn't allowed to talk about it, because um, I'd, I'd said um, that I would talk, talk to friends and family about it, and I was told in no uncertain terms that I was not Draconian? to friends. Um, That's I, who? I was told that um, I could, and it, and it is a term of a legal piece of paperwork that I shall not name, because I'm not, it's the rule of that club is you don't talk about that club. Um, but yeah, I was, I was asked if I had somebody at home who I could talk to. So, and this, this is the second time I've had this conversation as a professional. There's, there's another conversation in a different school that was very, very similar. Um, have I got somebody at home who I can talk to? Yes, my husband. The next question that was asked of me was, do you get on with him? So I said, that's none of your business, whether I get on with my husband or not. So then I was asked, well, is it, you know, what about your parents? I said, yeah, I've got my parents and I can talk to them. And, and would they, would they be able to talk to you about it? Again, none of your business about my relationship with my parents. But I'd had a similar conversation as a head of year with an assistant head at a different school um, because, and it, was, it wasn't long after James was born, he had a period where he just kept getting these sickness bugs. And I got called out of school three or four times over the space of oh, eight or nine weeks. Heaven forbid. And then I got summoned into a conversation with an assistant head who um, suggested that I get an au pair um then said to me um can your husband not do it and I was it was it it was my first husband um and he was an arsehole um and I said no he's you know he's setting up his own business he's 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 working 80 hour weeks he's doing this that and the other and to be honest he wouldn't know what to do with a sick child anyway um and I'm the child's Mom. And she said to me, well, then you're prioritising your child over your job. I said, yes, I absolutely am. And that was the trigger for me looking for another job. But you know what? Flip this on its head, right? You're in, you're in Next or you're in Marks and Spencers. And the manager takes one of the people on the floor, takes the supervisor in and says, right, okay. Um, we've got grave concerns and they have that entire conversation. We're going to monitor you're on the tail. We're going to do this and the other. You can't talk about this to anybody else at home, what we're doing. What? You can't talk to your friends about what's going on at work. Now a teacher will go, okay, oh. fear, because they've beaten that down. Can you imagine your typical person in the private sector? I'll talk to, I'll talk you to whoever I want. Who I want, yeah. You're telling me I can't. You can't tell me who I can and can't talk to about what's mm. going on in my life. Mm. that's an infringement of my rights mm. that's going to impact my mental health bang 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 they'd fall like a deck of cards and and this is again this last week so much of what's coming out in the group is really causing me to reflect which is a good thing and the more i think about it i went back to a comment that somebody had made on on my original video yeah. um about the fact that potentially there's grounds under disability discrimination because I had two two 
suicidal episodes in in a period of 18 months and one of those was very much triggered by the school or not by the school but by something that happened yeah um there and the school were aware of why I then had two weeks off and then six months later I found myself in the situation that I did so even knowing that my mental health was was rocky Agile. I'd seen I'd broken down in school with the school counselor I'd been to occupational health after that they'd not implemented anything that was in the occupational yeah. health report for me mentally or for, for my fibromyalgia and yet I I still rolled I didn't I didn't come back at them and 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 I just I just yeah, wonder now whether whether there's you, any route back, whether whether it's well, worth... what, what the problem is, because I did this with me. Now, you know, my circumstances were different in leaving. Mm. I was suspended. Mm. And when you are suspended, pending, it's a neutral act, Sarah, and it's mutually supportive. No, it's not. It's about as neutral as Germany in the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Sorry, that's a bit... So, Long story sideways with what happened with me. Clearly my cards had been marked for ages. And it's interesting that you go down this route because this is this is a route out mm. in many ways. And I'm going to talk about this with Ken Hughes. Mm. He talks about his story. But sometimes if you are a little bit stronger and they can't get you mm. on your capability, they'll find another way to exit you out of the classroom Mm. and mine was taking a sliver of information and jumping all over it blowing it out of proportion and then going right we can suspend this person Mm. whereas previously the week before there was probably 27 similar incidents with members of staff that they swept under the carpet yeah do you see my point yeah yeah, so you, my, you choose the piece of information that, that absolutely lies, so, lies, lies, lies. Yeah, there was yeah. members of staff who, who would be protected, having really dropped some serious balls. Mm-hmm. However, with me, what had happened? So my situation was there was another man. Twelve months. So I'm talking 2011. This was so 2011. There's no social media policy at Mm. all in the school. None whatsoever. And basically, in conversation with another member of the English department, this member of the English department had said, I have accepted a friendship request from an ex-pupil. Okay? Female teacher, ex-pupil. And I said, well, I wouldn't have done that because you don't really want them seeing the pictures of your house. Mm. Okay? That was it. That was the conversation. I walked into school and I was met by the deputy head teacher who was a terrible, terrible person to work with. But I'd managed to create a Chinese wall around this person, Mm. which was probably part of the problem because I'd I'd managed after 15 years in the school to get myself into a position that never the twain shall meet. Anyway, she met me at the side gate. She went, come with me. And the school was in lockdown. There was signposts saying, coming round the back. And I thought, what on earth has gone on? Now, I was union rep. Mm. I get into the, I get into the um, main office and the regional rep was there, Beth Pennell. I thought, oh, my Lord, 
So ironic, somebody's in deep trouble. <laughs> the irony. So I'm sat in, I'm sat in this room waiting to go into the head's office and I'm like, are you all right, Beth? She's like, I'm like, is everything all right? She said, I can't speak to you. My union rep <laughs> couldn't speak to me. The regional union rep said, I can't speak to you. We have to go into the office. So I'm in at this point. It's, it's quarter to nine in the morning, ready to start my day. And I walk in and it's like a panel. And I'm sat there with my union rep who remains silent. So I go in and they say, right, there's been an allegation of a safeguarding so I'm like, what allegation about safeguarding? We can't. Now, I've told you beforehand what it was. Mm. I waited probably nine weeks before I saw the allegation. Jesus. Well, I get sent home going, there's been an issue, a serious issue that could result in gross misconduct of a safeguarding nature. Well, I'm head of year, mm -hmm. right? At the time, you're thinking, what on earth have I been accused of? So your mind goes insane. Mm what on earth is it so they don't tell you what the allegation is do you know why because what they don't want you to do is incriminate yourself mm. what do you mean incriminate myself so i went home into a very very bad marriage with no support whatsoever they certainly didn't say are you going to be supported they let me drive out the school gates mm. 20 minutes later mm. and being a teacher I'm going but i've got year 10 first thing you know the way you do your world's just come crashing apart yeah. So I went home and then you go, right, well, all the wheels must start turning now. Mm. I'll get my, and, and, and Beth said, your union rep will be in touch, Sharon. Okay. So that was the Friday. Then on the Monday morning, I got up early because I knew the union rep would be in touch. And guess what? Nothing. Mm. So by two o'clock in the afternoon, I've not slept, I've not eaten. Mm. I've got two kids. I can't go out the house because I'm so ashamed it's untrue. And I don't even know what it is I've been suspended for. Mm. Yeah, so you don't know why you're ashamed. So I don't know why I'm ashamed, but it's really serious if you've been suspended. Mm. And of course, 15 years, you have an absolute network of friends, all of your text messages, all of your Facebook friends are your friends from school mm. who have been told in a staff briefing mm. that under no circumstances are they to contact me. They don't say why. But it's delivered in a tone that completely and utterly makes you feel as though, and, and we, need to, we need to make this clear, we will not accept she is not to be contacted. And, and then they'll say things like, this is a neutral act and all this kind of thing. The rumour mill goes crackers, uh, as you can imagine, uh, what's she done? Uh, nothing from the unions having to chase them down and then you get through to someone and it's a different person and they don't phone you back and and you know the kind of people who talk really slowly and look uh -huh. and you're like i'm on my knees i'm on my knees i don't know what's happening with my world and then it got to about got to about six or seven weeks in and basically i got wind through back channels because it was the leakiest senior management team I've ever known in my life. I got wind she wanted me back in. And I think the expression was used something like, 
learned a lesson, almost like, you know, clipped her wings kind of thing, because I was mouthy. Yeah. And at this point, I've had time. Yeah. I've had time at home. And yeah, I'm ashamed. And yes, I've worked through all that. But I've actually done what's the worst case scenario. Uh, what's the worst case scenario? Because my marriage was collapsing with no money because my husband didn't earn. It was collapsing. And do you know what it actually gave me the time to do? Break down. Yes. Yeah. Because I got up and I took my kids into school. Uh, and I came home. And it was February and I did nothing. Uh, and I think I was physically and emotionally exhausted. Yeah. So being suspended actually gave me the opportunity. Once I'd gone through hell, and I mean hell, mm. pacing, the, pacing around this conservatory that I was in at the time, I came up with a plan of action. And I was married to a farmer at the time. So I said, right, let's build a farm shop. Mm. Let's build a farm shop and I'll set myself up as a tutor. And one way or another, that's how we will find a way through this. Mm. And I had to go to, so what I decided to do was in week six, I went to see the doctor, it's former union. And I said, if I go off sick, what happens to the investigation? It halts. Mm. All right, okay. So I'll take the power back. Mm-hmm. I'll take the power back. Yeah. So I said to my union rep, Right, who I knew was next to useless. Uh, I thought, right, I'm fighting for something here I don't actually want because obviously it brought a great deal. Do I actually still want to be trapped in this house? Do I still want to be in this marriage? And you know when everything hits rock bottom and you go, I'm not fighting it anymore. Let it go. I surrender. But what I did do was I went to see my doctor. I said, this has happened. These are the circumstances. I am beyond stressed. He said, absolutely. I said, I need a sick note. Absolutely. And I went through all the symptoms. I am not sleeping. I, my anxiety is through the roof, this, that, and the other. And he prescribed me with citalopram. Mm-hmm. I, like, I wouldn't have needed antidepressants. I would never have needed medication. So I put them on the side. Thank you very kindly. Let it go on my record. Mm-hmm. Now on antidepressants. And then I said to the union rep, what happens? And he said, well, you've got six months full pay and you've got six months half pay. Mm. Have I now? Okay. So we built a farm shop and I think that was the beginning of the end. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I got suspended in the February. By the January the following year, which was 2013. So January 2013, that's when I knew the money had run out. Mm. Everything had gone. I packed my bags and I left. Wow. And that's how I exited the classroom. It's crazy, isn't it? Because when I, when I had my, when I had my um, breakdown in school and I was, I was talking to... Um, well, just one minute before we, before, we do your, before we do that. Why was I suspended? Why was I suspended? Because when somebody else was having a conversation about their issues in the classroom, when they were trying to get this other person, and they mentioned this Facebook request, she said, well, I spoke to somebody about it. She, was being, she, she wasn't trying to throw me under the bus or anything like that. 
I spoke to Sharon about it. Sharon, you. Mm. Got her. Yeah. Out. Safeguarding. Get her out. Calm her down a bit. Bring her back in. But it just didn't work like that. It just... No, you treat people like that, they'll push back eventually. In some way or another. And I think what we've dealt with in some respects is on the group, Sarah, we've dealt with people who've been bullied out. Mm. We've been dealt with people who have come out of their own fruition. And then there's also that underbelly mm. of people who have been suspended and disappeared under a cloud. Mm. Mm. I lived with shame for years on that. Mm. Years. I'd been suspended. I'd been, actually, I had a problem being back in the school within six weeks. Yeah. But I chose to make it longer than it was. But actually, the neutral act of suspension is a third route of getting people out. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's the one that's least talked about. Because of because of the cloak of shame that's associated with the word suspension. But the beauty of it was, because I'd had my six months full pay, six months half pay, I didn't sign an NDA. Uh, I just resigned. Uh, and what they then did was, because I resigned pending um, an investigation, they reported me to the National Council of Teaching and Learning. You know where you go up in front of your panel? Yeah, the misconduct people. The misconduct panel. So they they actually um, referred me to that, at which point I got a lovely letter back through. We have considered, and they didn't even see me. They just said there's no case to answer. Which says, I mean, it's one of my favourite phrases. You you know, it it says everything you need to know, that, doesn't it? So when I didn't have a reference, I would go in in the first instance, going into other schools, and I would be very honest. But what I did was I started working for an agency called the National Teaching and Advisory Service, who I was very, very overt with and very open and not upfront. And they went, we need to check this out. Mm. They did all the due diligence. We need to do a DBS. Mm. We need to check out what you've said. Mm. And they did. And then they just said, well... The national teaching body said there's no case to answer. So I worked for them for two years. So whenever anybody wanted a reference from me. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? Because that ties back to what um, Helena said the other day, that, that whatever it was that she went on to do, she was doing because she never, ever wanted to ask yeah. her school to, to help in any way. So not even, I mean, I... I've got an agreed reference, um, but my intention is that I will never, ever have to use that reference. Exactly. Because by definition, if you're having to use a reference, you're putting yourself back into an organisation. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that for me was seven years. Seven years. um, Yeah, 2013. So it's happened in 2012. So it's actually eight years. Right, It's over eight years. That's the first time I've ever told that story start to finish. Yeah. Out loud. Uh, yeah. I've done potted versions for people mm. a few years gone by and gone, what happened, Sharon? I say, bloody all or nothing. Mm. I've never gone from the day they did it, how they did it, and, and then leaving, and then actually to come out the other end. And to come out the other end, when you because 
this this is where I was going to go a minute ago. When when I first um, first had a breakdown at school, um, and I saw a mental health professional, and they they unpicked with me my kind of my life for the previous God knows how many years, and I'd I'd had um, some quite difficult bereavements I'd lost lost both grandparents I'd lost a friend to suicide we'd had the sudden loss of a colleague um there'd been a sudden infant death in the family um I'd had a divorce I'd remarried I'd been diagnosed with quite a significant condition and then had seven surgeries in the space of six years and every time after those surgeries, I went back in school. Every single one of those things, I was back in school as quick as I could be back in school. Um, and when when I was talking to to this this mental health professional, they said, you, "You've gone through so many significant life events in yeah. such a short period, like more life events than some people have in their entire life." Um, and you've dealt with all of that with a high pressure job, it isn't any wonder that you've cracked. Yeah. That that one particular situation had been. Well, you see, the thing is, it means nothing. We, when you talk about your circumstances and you talk about them to a head teacher, they really genuinely just deploy that sociopathic ah. kind of response. So here, here's, here's the scenario. Oh, noise. Here, this is the bit, right? So imagine in any other walk of life, I go in and it had happened um, over the Easter half term. Uh, we had a very, very tragic, so I was still married, and we had a very, very tragic incident take place in, in a kind of like potted way. There was um, my ex-husband's brother lost um, an 11-year-old son. He lost his 11-year-old son who took his own life. Oh, Right. So I go into school and I'm holding this family together. Uh, right. But it happened at the start of the Easter holidays. Right. It's unprecedented, that kind of tragedy within a family. So there's no way you, you know. But in the private sector, you walk into like the funeral parlor, you walk into Walder Hay. Uh, you are treated like cut glass crystal mm -hmm. because of the way in which the terrible, terrible circumstances have mm -hmm. happened. Do you know if a child dies under the age of 16, you don't have to pay for the funeral? I did know that. Yeah, uh, That's, that's a fact you don't want to know, isn't it though? But yeah, it, it is. You know. So yeah. there's so much compassion. And I was, I was really supportive of this, of, of the family. And I was the one who was at the forefront of holding everything together. You know, the way you do, because yeah. that's the Yeah. And I remember such a contrast between the way in which society was dealing with this death. And then when I walked into the school, it was all the platitudes to begin with. Mm. We've heard, we've read in the local paper. That's mm. so awful. We're here to support. Tell us what you need. And then, and we feel absolutely awful asking you to do this. But, but it was when we used to have controlled assessments you are going to have to moderate your controlled assessments. And they sat me in a room on a school day. We'd got to go to Alder Hay in the afternoon to spend some time and identify the body. And they made me sit and moderate those. And I did it. And there's so many stories like that. Teachers where you go, 
what is big enough? Mm. Well, Would it have been if it was my own child, you might not have asked me. I, do, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know of colleagues in different schools, not, not necessarily schools that I've worked in, but, you know, you've got serious illnesses, they've got cancer, you know, that they, they're having treatment and they're on bloody attendance support, which is illegal under disability <laughs> discrimination. But unless you know it's illegal, you're... you're you don't challenge, do you? I watched a head of maths get bullied. I watched a head of maths the way you do. Yeah. I watched a head of maths get bullied so badly. The way she was talked about, the way she was ridiculed and derided, just in conversational. And it can be like when members of SLT just roll their eyes whenever uh -huh. they're mentioned or taught at the thought that there's been another issue in maths. Uh -huh. When you're on the pastoral team and you're having to deal with these kind of things, it almost becomes like the vernacular with the way in which they speak about somebody. Mm. And then that weekend, she, she was about to be put on capability, all this stuff. She collapsed. She collapsed at home. And actually, when she went into hospital, they found that she was absolutely, I don't like using this expression, but it's the only one I can, riddled with cancer. Mm. Right? The following Monday, <laughs> it was as if they were talking about another person. Because that rolling of the eyes you know it was that kind of like we need to support what can we do she's one of us she's one of the gang because they absolutely panicked like mad mm. because this woman was so ill mm. so ill she hadn't even had time off to go and get herself checked out jesus but that and then and this is this is where everything spins it it took me years to get diagnosed with my endometriosis partly because you didn't want to take time off to go to the doctors because i i kept saying to myself well you can wait till half term to go to the doctors and then it'll be another half term and that and it it literally did take years i got i got diagnosed with it in 2012 but i've been symptomatic pretty much most most of my adult life but most of my adult life i've been a teacher and and I've, I've it was only sort of 2000 it was just after after we got married um i started having um really bad symptoms and i would i would be in school and i couldn't stand up properly you, do you know i and and people yeah. would say to me why are you even here like you can't function why are you here but the kids need me i don't want i don't want somebody else in front of the kids i need to do this i need to do that and it was constantly put everybody else under the heading of school yeah myself. even if that meant that i came home of an evening and worked and then crashed out and then by the time it got to friday Literally, and, and, and I wish I'd mentioned this to James, actually. Um, I used to come home on a Friday afternoon and I would lie down on the sofa and apart from waking up to walk up the stairs to go to bed, I would sleep until midday on the Saturday because I was just utterly exhausted well, well, you from know. disease, but also from fighting it whilst... And, and, and you know the numbing that goes on 
within the t- so so you would literally collapse and then walk up to bed mm. um i i drank mm. i drank way 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 too much i was habitually drinking wine and mm. um, it would be most nights weekends would be whoa, well it's friday mm. i have survived and one of the greatest things that came out of the back of me leaving the classroom was so I leave in 2013. I get right the way through a year with 2014. And then at that point, I realized, actually, why am I still drinking wine? Because all the reasons why I was drinking, the bad marriage, the teaching, the pressure, actually, I'm through the other side. Why am I still drinking this? Why am I still drinking this? And then it got to about the Christmas time. And I was still drinking way, way, way too much. And I'd got myself into, um, I'd got myself into a mess financially, you know, the way you do in the first, because you don't exit teaching and not have to go through the mess. Mm. You know, when Helena went and you do that and that, and that, that, and then you get to there. Well, I was still in this muddle stage. I was on the dole. I was, I think I'd just finished this blue orchid scheme. I was doing tutoring for money here. I was working in the day there. Lots of multiple income streams but I was still quite chaotic in the home environment because I was coping with actually coming out after 25 years of teaching and a marriage. So nobody comes out and that's the blueprint for okay. And I got to the Christmas and I'd not opened envelopes to do with bills and things like that. And what had happened was there was a bill in, in the joint name and purposely I'd not been receiving anything for it it had gone to a point of a repossession. Uh, it's gone to bailiffs. And one morning the bailiffs turned up at my house and I knew absolutely nothing about this. Absolutely nothing about it. I opened the door, hung over, you know, because I'd had a bottle and a half of wine the night before. And they've said, you've not paid this bill. I'm like, I, I, this is the first I've ever heard of it. And they said, well, your ex-husband's given us your name and address. <gasps> and they were literally putting my car onto a back loader. And I went, I haven't got, I think it was, I think it was 1600 pound. Yeah. And I'm like, I haven't got 60, you know, yeah. every penny that's coming in is being done. Yeah. I haven't got 1600 pound. So I rang my mum and I said, mum, you're never going to, and this was something ridiculous, like at eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Mum, you're never going to believe what's happening. So she said, don't worry about it. It's all right. I'll pay it. No mortgage since 1985. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's absolutely swimming in it because she never goes anywhere. I'll pay it, don't worry. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then she'd ring me back. So this was about half past eight. She did, she did the dealings with the guy over the phone. And then she said, ring me back. And she'd write, she said, how's your head? And I said, all right. She said, you will go over? I said, probably a little bit. She went, what do you need to tell me right now? And I said, mum, I think I've got a problem with my drink. And she went, right. Now go and do something about it. I never drank again. I played to you, Mum. But that, let's have a look at this. Would I have been in that state if I hadn't been in that job for that length of time? No. I'm not blaming teaching completely, right? No. And we've got to take responsibility for yeah, our own absolutely. actions. But it's the it's the the circumstances that surround you 
shape the decisions that you make, don't they? Yeah. I think you, I think you have a predisposition to certain yeah. behavioural traits. Mm. And what was fortunate for me was by 2014, that was it. No, mm. I'm, not, I'm not touching it ever again. I think I'd be all right now. Yeah. I think I'd be all right to go out and have a glass of wine or a gin and tonic or whatever. But I don't want to. No. No. I mean, I, I, rarely, I rarely drink now. I did worry at the start of um, lockdown because I did have like two weeks where I had a gin and tonic every night. But then yeah. after that, it was like, mm, why? I'd rather have a cup of decaf tea. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think these are the certain things that are still sitting under the kind of... <sighs> People are not talking about those who've been suspended, those who've been sacked, those who drink too much, those who overeat those who make really poor life choices. I think there's a lot to come out yet with, with teachers. There are, the, I would love to get my hands on the statistics that say how many NDAs have been signed within teaching. I would. I would, I would well, the, union, the unions will have them. The, the unions will have all of the ones that they've supported out, and I say support in inverted commas. Um, so that that data will be there to in in some way, shape, or form. It might not be a complete data set, but it will be there somewhere. Some different unions, though, as well. And then there'll be some who haven't been yeah. with unions and that kind of thing. You know, that's my thing. This this, this silencing. This is an untold scandal. Is it's an untold scandal, and I and I, I hark back to what you said the other day that. It kind of is, it is starting to feel like um, in the group a, a, a Me Too sort of yeah. movement. And, and if nothing else, that is helpful, or I found that helpful because I've, I've realised that actually this isn't just about my, my tiny experience of this this is actually this is nationwide it's across all three sectors of education yeah. it's in the private sector as uh, sorry in the independent sector as well so it, it it's not just I think it's, it's a combination of it's like i was reading the other day i think i've mentioned this to you um it was in the 70s have you ever heard of the peter principle Right. The Peter Principle was done by um, a guy called, I think it's Lawrence Peter. I could be wrong and I could be making up his first name. And basically he studied um, organisational infrastructures and he studied management styles. And I think it was a, a little bit done satirically to begin with, but it's actually a lot of what he did was really good. And he has this theory, the Peter Principle, which somewhat explains why there's an issue with middle leaders and senior management in terms of why they feel the need to do this bullying. Uh, and the Peter principle is that if you are good, you get promoted to a level of your own incompetence. Huh. Right? So for example, and he uses the, he uses the example of receptionist. You have got a really, really brilliant receptionist. Uh, and I mean, super efficient. And then what happens is that receptionist gets promoted. Uh, 
and she's then in charge of a team, which actually makes her a little less super efficient than she was when she was doing a job. Yeah. Now, she starts to panic a bit now because she's not as super efficient as she was before, but it doesn't matter. And she, they're not quite as happy with her, but she's then promoted to something else mm. on the back of this elevation because she wants to actually distance herself a little bit from the second in department job that she can't do. So they go for a head of department job. And now you're completely out of your depth mm. and you've met your level of incompetence. Mm. So who you were originally that was brilliant your promotion has now put you away from that. So once you reach your level of incompetence, what is the best way to detract from the fact that you are incompetent? You start a blame culture around you. you. Create a series of smoke screens. So when you're going in as a head of department into your meeting with the head who's saying the underperformance in your department, well, it's not me. It's because Sharon's not marking a box. Sharon's a really difficult person to manage. So you start hurling people under the bus because the head teacher goes, don't you worry, I'll get this sorted for you. And then that narcissistic trauma bonding kicks in where you go, I'm all right here. And that particularly with a head teacher is massive because if a head teacher is completely and utterly at their position where they are incompetent, the only way that they can do that is start to hurl people under assist. What do you think of that then? I I was immediately uh, seeing people in my head who I've known through my 25 years who would meet those criteria. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's part of where this sort of like entrenched level of of toxicity comes in Mm. because people are in self-survival mode. Yeah. And it's encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. 